good. And tonight, uh, just glad and excited to have uh, another one of our young men just moving into ministry. And uh, uh, he's been with us uh, almost since the beginning. And uh, he, he's come a long way, like we all have. And so I'm thankful tonight, Brother JT is going to be speaking to us. So, brother, come on. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Thank you. I want to, the very first thing I want to do is give honor to my pastor and my pastor's wife and their family. They've put a lot of effort in me and helped make me to the young man that I am today. Although some days I don't feel rather young anymore. I wake up in aches and pains and I have not, I know I have not reached that age where I can actually complain, but today I want to complain. <laughs> but, um, While I, was, uh, while I was getting ready for this, I, when God dropped this in my heart and my mind, I was, as always, whenever I get up here, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a fiasco for me. I can talk to anybody, anyone, about anything, but you put me in front of this, put me in a mic, and I get nervous. So before I go any further, I want to pray. If y'all wouldn't mind joining me. Lord, we thank you for this day and thank you for this time to gather in your house, lifting up your name, worshiping you. Lord, I pray that you would reach down and touch our hearts and our minds and our ears. Let us hear what you have for us, oh God. Let me be able to deliver it the way that you have given it to me. Lord, I praise you and I give you all the glory and honor and thanksgiving, knowing that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, when I was praying about this and when I heard about a week and a half ago that I was going to be teaching, I started praying, as always, because I hold this, hold when I do anything in this microphone or I do anything behind this pulpit, in such a high regard that I always yell at myself, don't mess up. And I started praying, and I was like, Lord, don't let me stumble on my words. Don't let me mess up in some way or do something. And I have yet to stumble on my words, but Sunday. <laughs> I stumbled and fell. There's a... I, there's a skid mark in the front of the front of the sanctuary, and there's a skid mark there, and then there's a skid mark there, where I landed and ended up. And I got up, and I was like, mm, "What a mess!" Which, funny enough, goes along with my message. <laughs> what a mess! message. God can turn any mess into a message. That's, 
<laughs> and hey, we we all we all go through it, and that that our friends try to help us and encourage us, and hey, God can turn any mess into a message, and you just came out of a mess, and you're like, yeah. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, wait, if you put mess and then put time, you get message. And I was like, hmm, Lord, what are you going to do with this one? So put, put a mess in God's time and God's house, and it will turn into a message. And if you want to turn in your Bibles with me to... 2 Samuel 11, verses 2 and 5 through 5. And it came to pass in the evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of his of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Now I'm going to stop right there real quick. David was the king. He probably should have been at the battle. Probably should have been doing something else. When he saw Bathsheba, that was a mess of its own. But in verse 3 it says, And David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her. For she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And, David, and, and the woman conceived and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. Man, oh man, David, you done got yourself into a mess. The king, the man after God's own heart, and you did this? How are you going to live with yourself? That's a mess and a half, bud. But then we, uh, like, like David, we, we get in a mess and then we want to fix it. We want to do it on our own terms, our own thing. Don't let nobody see it. Don't let nobody know about it. But we go to David again, 2 Samuel eleven fifteen. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter set, or saying, Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire ye from him that he may be smitten and die. Man, you didn't, you didn't just make a whoopsie. You just, you just sent a man to go die. You, you, you wanted to cover up your mess so bad that you would kill the person that could reconcile. You would kill the person and cause a deeper stink for you. I mean, all I, but we do it. I can't, I can't say it. I've, I've tried to fix things and made a bigger stink. I know I'm in a room full of people that more than likely has done that at one point in their life. But we go forward a little bit. And we know that David prays and seeks God's face and asks him to forgive him because eventually that child Bathsheba has dies 
David prays and repents and seeks and laments. And sure enough, the child dies. And then in 2 Samuel 12 and 24, it says, And David comforted Bathsheba and his wife, and went in unto her and lay with her. And she bare a son, and called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. Now, I'm not going to go into a huge genealogy spill, but look on it when you get a chance. Solomon and David both are in the genealogy of Jesus. So he goes from a mess, laying with another man's wife, killing that man, repenting, getting in God's graces. And now he's in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior. God can turn any mess into a message. Now, let's go to another example prodigal son in Luke 15 and 13 if I can find my place and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a faraway country and there there he wasted his substance with riotous living Now, the prodigal son had great wealth through his father. He took his inheritance, went out, and wasted everything that he had. The prodigal son probably could have gone into another land and then said, well, I'll I'll buy some land and I'll buy a house and make provisions just like my father did. I'll use what he gave me and turn it into something great that we can both use. But no. He did like some of us would always do if we got into a huge sum of money, especially if we were younger. Go out and buy the newest Xbox or go buy the newest iPhone or Samsung or anything like that. I'm guilty of that, unfortunately. But um, the prodigal son, we would read on later, that he would go into and waste everything, end up in a hog pit in the messiest of mess. I mean, physically living in the mess. He would even try to eat the things that the hogs would eat. Now, I live on a farm. Some of us in here might live on a farm as well. I live with cows. They eat wherever they want. They poop wherever they want. They go anywhere else wherever they want. I have watched a cow go into the pond and down in the bottom end of our house, use the bathroom in the pond, and then hop in the pond, and then start drinking the water. And I'm sitting there like, I couldn't imagine even living in that, in that pond, let alone next to it. But the prodigal son was living in it. He was in that kind of a mess. But, later on, we read in Luke 15, 21 through 24. And the son said unto him, Father, 
I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no longer worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. They began to be merry. Now, he didn't have time to go out and shower. He didn't have time to go out and clean himself up. He had said in himself, I'm just going to go to my father's house. I'm here starving. My father's servants get fed. They don't have to worry about living in the slop. Why don't I just go be a servant? Why don't I go back to the father's house and serve? But instead, God or uh, the father gave him restoration. Restored him to who he was. What a mess. Turned into what a message. Now, let's go to another one. Another little example. Luke or Luke 22:55 through 62. Talking about Peter. Peter, who had been told in front of Jesus, or in front of the disciples, and in front of or by Jesus, get thee behind me, Satan. Um, that's a that I wouldn't want to hear God call say that to me, let alone my pastor. But um, Jesus or uh, Peter, I can identify. Because sometimes he would get himself in a mess and need a little correction. But in Luke twenty-two fifty-five through 62, it says, And they had kindled a fire, and this is after the Last Supper, and Jesus had been betrayed by Judah. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat, not, or sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him and said, or as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him, and he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while longer, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of an hour, after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then Peter went out and wept bitterly. And Peter, you made a mess after mess after mess. You denied Jesus after you followed him and saw him do great miracles and said that he is the Christ. He is, he is the Son of God. He is your Savior. Well, not at this point yet, but this man, Jesus, whom you followed around, you just deny him like that. 
What a mess, Peter. But that's not it. In Acts 2 and 14 through 16, it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, and this is on the day of Pentecost, Peter had seen Jesus when he raised from the dead. Jesus had seen Jesus when he ascended. Jesus had, or Peter had decided that he wasn't going to just stay out of God's provision. He had decided, I'm going to get back to where I was. I'm going to get back to where I was supposed to be in the beginning and see what's going to happen. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, said unto them and said, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell in the, at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not as drunk as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour, hour of the day. But this is that which, the, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, this, at this point, Peter was preaching Jesus. Peter was preaching the gospel. Peter was, Peter was preaching everything that he had lived before he had denied. Peter had stood up and said, you know what, I messed up and denied my Lord. But you know what, I'm going to stand up in front of all these people and say, no, this is how it is, this is what it is. And then he carried on and went on about his message. And people asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? When they were pricked in their hearts about crucifying Jesus. And Peter said our famous tagline, our favorite scripture, Acts 2, 38, 39. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and your, to your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Man, Peter, what a message. You preached and about 3,000 people were added unto the church. Denied it in front of three people, but preached it in 3,000. Time to get back to where we were in God and stay in the house of God. Because unfortunately, even if we mess it up, even if we mess it up, if we stay in here and seek after God, watch what will happen. All right, let's go to another. Let's go to one more. Let's go to uh, Saul, who would eventually become Paul. And in Acts 7, 57 through 60, now Saul had said, or Saul, we all we all know of Saul. Saul would eventually persecute the church, and I'll, I'll get to that here. But Saul was the one that you didn't want to be anywhere near you if you had professed Jesus. Saul would have thrown you in jail. Saul would have 
had you killed. Saul would have done terrible things to you for that name of Jesus. And in Acts 7, 57 through 60, it says, Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran, on, ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city. Speaking of Stephen. And stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stood or stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this, or this sin unto their charge. And we had, when he had said this, he fell asleep. And then continuing into Acts 8, 1 through 3. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Sumeria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen unto his burial and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women to be committed to the prisons. Man, Saul, you, you consented unto... Uh, Stephen to be killed. I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if you can turn that mess around. You. You. You put people in that was living for this. You put people of the church that was living this in the jails for just living this. That's a mess, Saul. What are you? What are you gonna do now? Well. Good bit later on. Acts 9, 26 through 30. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself with the disciples. Now, Saul had had a experience on the road. Jesus had shown himself to Saul and said, Why are you persecuting me? And Saul confused looked up and said I don't what are you, what are you speaking of lord Saul had had his eyes blinded had them reopened and started seeking out this 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 Jesus started seeking out who he actually was and what it meant to follow him and in Acts 9, 26 through 30. Oh, wait. Yeah. But the disciples were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly to at Damascus in the name of, of Jesus. And he was with them coming in, going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went, but they went about to slay him. 
which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Well, now, now you got the disciples on your side a bit. What's next, Saul? Well, a little bit later, we hear about Saul becoming Paul, the Apostle Paul. Paul would eventually write Romans and Corinthians and all the epistles to the church. Saul, or Saul the mess would turn into Paul the message. The mess that Saul did and came and sought after Jesus, sought after his mercies, and saw a change into Paul, the preacher, the teacher, the apostle. And with this, I'm coming to a close. But I have one more example, and it's for us. In 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. Know you not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, covetous, drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But JT, you don't know the mess that I'm in. But JT, you don't know what I went through. Well, there's a lot of people that know me. But JT, weren't you addicted to this, that, and the other? Yeah, it was a mess. Haven't you done this, said this? Back when you were, yeah, I made a mess of myself. But I'm standing before you here, showing you that every mess, God can turn into a message. And with that, I'll go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What a mess, JT. But I, but I came to the altar. What a mess, JT. But I was baptized. What a mess, JT. But I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And the messes didn't stop. But where you are today is where the messages, or messes stop and the message begins. Whether you're in a mess now or were in a mess, give it time in God's house and His plan and you'll see the mess turn into a message that it's meant to be. That's it. He did a great job reminding every one of us you know, the, the way, and, and what, he, what he said was true because every story he told, it was written down. God turned it into a message. 
How many times have those people been preached about? God turned it into a message. And for all of us, even at the end in the scripture, it says that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus, and by the word or the message of our testimony. God took these uh, this, this mess that we've made and turned it into a message, turned it into a testimony. And, and not just for us, but so somebody else. The Bible says we are epistles read of all men. We are a, a walking testimony of what God can do. And people see our lives. And, and you know, it's just like, you ever heard them, people say, don't judge a book by its cover. Well, they see you and they, they know there's something about you, but they have no idea what God's done until they, that book's open. That's why it's so important to tell people what God's done for you, where he brought you from, how he delivered you, how he washed you and saved you, filled you with his spirit. And let me tell you, it happens to the best of us. I've preached that more than once. Because the scripture says that the steps of a good man, a good man, are ordered of the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. See, God's just ready. He's the author and finisher of your faith. He's just ready to, to write out a message. He's just ready to turn your mess into a message. What a great word tonight, brother. What a great reminder. Let's stand together tonight. And while she's playing, we want to open up the altars and give you a chance. And if you feel like... Hey, my life's in turmoil. It's in a mess right now. Why don't you come down to the altar, spend a few moments with the author of your faith, and let him begin to write out a new story. Let him begin to turn that mess into a message tonight.
Come on, you're thankful for that mercy. Lift it up to the Lord. Hallelujah. God ever turned something around in your life? His mercy ever do something for you? your mercy thank you Jesus we say it often and it's so wonderful such a great promise from the word but the scripture says two, there's two things about his mercy that I love so much one that it's new every morning that means when I get up man, I've got another opportunity to fix it get it done right do better you know that mercy is new every morning you may go to bed with You'll just, wow, what a day. I have, I have made a mess in this day. But you can wake up the next morning and be like, you know what? His mercy is new. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. With his help, I can fix this. I can give it to him and it can turn around. God's able to do it. And then his mercy endures forever. It don't wear off. I'm thankful for the mercy of the Lord. Uh, we haven't reached a season and the Lord's he's eternal in this world's been going a long time and his mercy is just as new and strong as it's ever been I'm thankful for it tonight amen JT great job brother and we'd like to say we're glad his grandmother and his aunt is that right with us tonight glad glad you guys are here tonight and uh, thank you for coming and we love this young man he's, he's doing a great job Great word, great word. We're looking forward to Sunday. I know there'll be a, a lot of people gone Sunday. <laughs> it's going to look like summer vacation around here on Sunday. But we're going to be here with the Lord, and we're going to have church and have a great time. So if you're going to be here, invite somebody with you to fill up the seats because we'll have a lot of them empty on Sunday. But God's going to move. We're going to be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great night. Be blessed. Be safe in Jesus' name.